Hey, my name is Rachel, and you're listening to Maker Style, a creative lifestyle podcast where we talk about blogging, small business, and of course, lots and lots of sewing. Listening to Maker Style is like sitting down for a coffee and chat with your BFFs who are just as passionate about making things as you are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Maker Style Podcast. My name is Rachel, and I'm really excited to have you here listening along with us today. Thanks for joining in. Today, we have a really exciting interview with my friend Star White from Wellfiber. Star has a really interesting story that she shares on today's podcast, all about how she got involved with sewing using secondhand fabrics and how that's evolved to her opening up her own shop called Wellfiber, where she now sells secondhand fabrics online for us to purchase and enjoy so that we can sew with secondhand fabrics as well. As someone who really hasn't investigated much into the world of secondhand fabrics, even though I'm no stranger to the thrift store or estate sales, I was so interested to hear about Star's process and how she finds these fabrics and just how she curates such a beautiful collection of secondhand fabrics that you truly couldn't find anywhere else. And it's really inspired me to get out in my own community and see what's out there in terms of secondhand fabrics and see if I can incorporate these a little bit more in my own sewing practices since they are a more sustainable and often more affordable option than buying fabric brand new. But if you're thinking the same way, Star also shares some really great tips at the end of today's episode about how you can go about finding some really awesome secondhand fabric local to you and some tips and tricks if you're thinking about trying that out. But I'm not going to talk any longer because this episode's a really good one and we should get into it right away. So I'll catch you on the other side. Hello, everyone. Uh, Rachel from the future here. Just one quick note before we hop into this week's episode. Um, I filmed this recording with Star um, actually at Wise Parents' house and uh, was not in my usual podcasting space. And you can tell that it's a little echoey um, compared to where I usually record. Um, there's going to be one other episode with the sound quality like that. Um, but otherwise, you can expect the usual recording setup. It was just kind of we had to make a trip there. And I wanted to make sure that we could still schedule these calls because I'm really excited for the episodes that we recorded on that day. Um, yeah, so just bear that in mind and uh, enjoy the episode. It's a good one. Hey, Star, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Rachel? Good. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat, and I'm super excited. Me too. Thank you for inviting me. Anytime. Um, do you mind telling the listeners just a little bit about yourself before we get started? Yeah, totally. Um, well, my name's Star White, and online um, in the sewing world, people probably know me as uh, Well Fiber. That's my account name. And I am a mom of two. I'm a wife, and I live in Kansas, right in the middle of the country. Um, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom, but um, love to sew and sell fabric on the side. Awesome. How did you kind of get started back into sewing? Well, um, when I was young, I think, as most of us did through school, I took a home ec class, I think, in, like, fifth and sixth grade. You know, you make a pillowcase, pajama pants, that sort of thing, and... um, I remember even then thinking, hey, I really like this. And I, um, you know, I wasn't a very like 
sporty kind of gal. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, you know, just wasn't my thing. And I, <laughs> I did okay in school. I made decent grades, but I wasn't some highly academic child either. And so, you know, I never, I never really felt like I had my thing that felt just like it came really natural. And I remember even in fifth and sixth grade feeling like, oh, wow, this comes really easy to me. And I would look around at my classmates who were like five and six steps behind where I was uh, waiting for the teacher's help. And I'm just like anxious to move on to the next thing and learn more mm-hmm. and keep going. And, and so it was kind of like the first thing I experienced that came naturally to me. So that was kind of my first foot in the door of sewing. Uh, was through school, yeah. actually. That yeah. feeling of, like, finally finding your thing. Yeah, I, I don't think I knew it was my thing quite yet, but I, mm-hmm. I have a distinct memory of feeling like, this comes easy to me, and not a lot of things come this easy to me, and and that feeling, like, was just a nice feeling, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that always stuck with me. Like, I yeah. don't have to try too hard. This just This is just fun for me. <laughs> yeah, and it really builds your self-esteem, too, when you're, like, look, I'm like really good at this thing, especially when you're younger. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Now you learned to sew in home ec when you were a little bit younger, but did you continue sewing basically all the way up until now? No. So really I didn't sew too much throughout middle school or high school. I had a sewing machine and I (laughs) would, this was kind of embarrassing, but (laughs) I, uh, okay. Well, um, I was really into the magazine in high school, teen Vogue. Yeah. you ever look, watch it? Okay. Yes. Look at it. Okay. Um, you know, this was before Pinterest or I didn't, I wasn't on the internet too much. Like I think maybe I was starting to get a Facebook, but I, I didn't have like a glimpse into the fashion world and, but it, I loved clothing and fashion and whatever I could get my hands on. And so I would just devour these teen Vogue magazines and that the fashion's just kind of outrageous and quirky. And so I started to, um, my family, I always was really into thrifting. We, you know, that was just kind of like what our income level allowed us to do. And so we did a lot of secondhand shopping. And so I would take, like, I remember specifically getting like a men's blazer that just swallowed me and I just cut it up the back and like (laughs) sewed it to fit me as best I could, like raw edges and everything. Didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just was like, oh, I like this blazer look in Teen Vogue, and I want to copy that. And so I, like, did a tiny bit of, I don't know if you can really call it sewing, but I did use my machine a tiny bit in high school to sort of, like, sew my jeans to be skinny jeans, like, before it was super popular because I saw it in, in magazines. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and being in the middle of the country, like, trends, we don't always get onto the trends <laughs> as they're happening. It's, like, a few years later. So I totally relate I'm sure. To that. Yeah, I'm sure I got some sideways looks um, in high school, but I didn't care. I was just having a lot of fun. But yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was kind of the high school years, um, and then really I took a big break. I didn't. I went to college, didn't have a sewing machine with me, and then um, when I got engaged um, to my now husband, I really wanted bow ties at our wedding, and uh, I I searched high and low online and could not find any bow ties in our color scheme for Mm -hmm. our wedding. And I, you know, I kind of remembered like, Hey, I think my mom has my old sewing machine. Like maybe I could try to make these Mm -hmm. bow ties. So I did. Um, I went to, I think Hancock fabric back when that was a thing, when it was open, (laughs) Um, got some fabric in our colors and just kind of dinked around and figured out 
how to make a bow tie. I ordered, I think I did order the, uh, you know, the hardware for it online. Yeah. So I made, made these bow ties, which now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like the fabric it shows, whatever. But, but you know, it was fun. And actually, um, so after our wedding, I sort of had this idea, like, I bet if as a bride, like I couldn't find bow ties in the colors I wanted, I bet other brides are having this problem. So, you know, like any person does started an Etsy shop <laughs> That's <laughs> and awesome. I made and sold bow ties for like two years, maybe. Um, but bow ties are essentially like a bunch of rectangles and I got kind of tired of just sewing rectangles. Very um, fair. Yeah. Um, it was great. And, but it was also like something I couldn't wear. It was, you know, men's fashion. So I liked it, but it wasn't super inspiring to mm-hmm. me. Um, made a little money, but then bow ties started getting really popular and you could find them everywhere on Etsy. So it kind of fizzled out for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I got, yeah, it was just time and it was good because, um, then I got pregnant with my daughter and, um, I wanted to start sewing little dresses for her because I was nesting and had that. Yeah. Just, I was just so excited. I was having a little girl and I could sew mm-hmm. all the, you know, fun little things for her. So, I made her little hair bows and then I was like, you know, I want to try to make her a dress. And I um, found a little dress pattern and just decided to try. And I, I think I used like an old skirt or something that I had on hand and um, made her this little dress. And mm-hmm. I ended up making her a couple little dresses. And um, in the midst of that time, we actually were, we were flipping two different houses and we moved and then. <laughs> so crazy. Um, it was crazy town. Yeah. And I got um, pregnant with my son. My kids are 21 months apart. So wow. kind of had my kids back to back. And so that was sort of just a season of like, you know, having really littles, but um, through all of it, I did keep sewing a little bit. I made my son like a little pair of um, like shorts with suspenders and stuff when he was like a newborn. That's so and sweet. Then, well, I sort of realized I'm like, okay, I, I think that the concept for making kid clothes is the same as making adult clothes. It's mm-hmm. just on a bigger scale. <laughs> like, like I had this sort of aha moment and I, um, I remember like when I decided that this might be something I wanted to try, I, I wasn't following anyone at the time. I didn't know about the sewing community, nothing. This is a couple mm-hmm. years ago. My son is about to turn three and I, I sort of made this discovery right after he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got online and, you know, pulled out my phone and I just kind of started to search and immediately I found Sarah from Sarah Project. Yes. And I was like, I talked to my husband. I was like, Daniel, oh my gosh, look at this girl. Look what she's doing. I want to do this. I think I could do this. And I'm like, this is, this is kind of what I've been like waiting for and didn't know it, mm-hmm. what I've been working up toward. And yeah. so, um, and I'm really blessed because my mother-in-law is a, an extremely talented seamstress. So I chatted with her and I found a seamwork pattern that I liked and, um, and she kind of held my hand for, through the first couple of steps of just getting started. And I was like, oh, I got this. Like, all of this makes sense to me. It's mm-hmm. basically the same thing as the kid's pattern. And I just sewed that shirt up and I still wear it to this day. It's one of my favorite shirts. And like, honestly, the rest is history from <laughs> there on. Um, what was the pattern? Just, Sorry. It is the, no, you're good. It's the Seamwork Hayden 
top and I it's the I don't know I've, I've worn it so much on my Instagram it's bright I, yellow I've mustard yellow <laughs> nice yeah, yeah it's so cute it has those great um you know seam lines in the front that make it sort of interesting mm-hmm. which actually for the first shirt I sewed I'm like that's kind of hard because it has the band on the bottom and everything but um it kind of gave me the courage I needed to step out into the sewing world and so for the first while I I just shared on my personal account I hadn't started well fiber yet mm-hmm. um but quickly my passion grew for this and I was like you know I should probably start like another account because I don't know if like all of my people that follow me on, <laughs> on my personal account <laughs> really want to see all the stuff I'm making they're not that interested so mm-hmm. um yeah so I started um well fiber and that's where I started sharing all my makes and everything so and like that's kind of when I journeyed into creating my own studio space too I realized that I kind of need especially with having young kids you're dealing with scissors and pins and sewing machines you kind of yes. need like a, a closed off space to keep them safe and to keep you sane <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah that's a long answer but, but it's I love That's kind of my journey. <laughs> I, you know, I love that so much because so much of what you were talking about, especially at your beginning of your sewing journey, I really, really related to because, you know, I also started sewing a lot when I was a teen because we were also like thrift budget. And mm-hmm. I remember going to the thrift store and being kind of like a long gangly teen. Um, <laughs> nothing really fit. And it was a lot of, you know, taking in skirts so that, you know, the skirts fit and I could feel confident in what I was wearing because all the jeans that I had were like flood pants and it was like not a cute <laughs> situation. It was not the year of the crops yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just that feeling of resourcefulness when you can, you know, mm-hmm. really turn a situation around when you're like sitting at a thrift store, you're like, oh man, like none of this is what I really want to be wearing, you know, but really make it your own and turn it into something that you're proud to wear and really makes you your heart happy. It's a great feeling. Yeah. And that, I feel like that, that thread of resourcefulness kind of carries throughout your whole sewing journey. It totally does. You're exactly right. Because to this day, when I go thrift shopping, I mean, I, I just see everything as potential. Yeah. Uh, whether it's just I might use the fabric for something or like, oh, if this doesn't fit quite right, I can alter it. Like I have the skills I need to kind of turn anything into what I want it to be. It's, it's exactly right. It's a thread of resourcefulness. Yeah. Totally. It really flips the situation from being like, oh, man, like. I'm not, I don't want this to be my situation to like, there is so much potential here and I'm like stoked to be here. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Like, I feel like you've taken this idea of resourcefulness and thriftiness to the next level because you also have a business now that you run with thrifted fabrics. Yes. Yeah. So um, when I was still just making clothing for my children, um, I was I don't know. Like, I think so much of my life at that time was just characterized by fear, sadly, but it just was where I was at. And Mm -hmm. um, I was afraid of messing up nice fabric. I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of, like, I would ruin something. And um, I was afraid of being wasteful, which I think there is a healthy fear. And, you know, you don't want to be wasteful. But I sort of had this aha moment where I was like, you know what, even if I mess this up, I will have learned a valuable lesson along the way. And I sort of gave myself the grace to make mistakes, which sounds so silly now to me, but I, it was just a part of my journey and um, a part of building my inner confidence too, of just like, 
it's good to make mistakes. It's okay. And the next time you probably won't repeat it. And in all of our sewing journeys, like there's just a lot of mistakes along the way, of course. Um, Totally. Yeah. But I, that's kind of how I felt comfortable starting was like, okay, I paid a dollar for this fabric. So what if I mess it up? That was a dollar for a less, a valuable lesson learned. So, Mm um, I, I felt very comfortable with secondhand fabric because of the cost of it. And, um, and then I just kind of fell in love with it because I was able to make really beautiful things that I loved out of secondhand fabric. So I wasn't, you know, supporting the production of more fabric Mm -hmm. and I was repurposing, which I've always loved to repurpose and give new, give new life to things that just, that brings me so much joy. So, um, as I started my Instagram account, Wellfiber, and I started sharing my makes, I, I would just get flooded with messages and questions about where'd you get that fabric? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you found that at a thrift store or, you know, an estate sale. And like, to me, it just seemed kind of normal. Like I thought everyone kind of had access to fabric like I did. And then I started to quickly learn that that's not actually the case. Um, And I don't really understand still why, where I live, I live in Wichita, Kansas. Um, (laughs) I, I just tend to run into a lot of secondhand stores or estate sales, or just this, the other day, a garage sale where I'm able to find amazing secondhand garment fabric. A lot of times it's vintage and it just is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started just buying it all that like anything that was interesting to me, I would buy it. And then my stash grew so big, like bigger than I could ever use. And um, I was like, you know what, maybe I should just try to start selling this because it seems like other people want it and they would get it if they could, but they don't have access to it. And here maybe I could open that door for other people. Um, So yeah, early last fall, I just kind of, on a whim, like I had been thinking about it, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it and try on a whim. I just started my little shop and, um, you know, it's a small little endeavor, but it's done pretty well. And I've had a good response. Um, I, you know, I haven't sold everything I've put out there, but I sold a large majority of what I've put out there. And it's, it's so exciting. The, The most exciting thing is when, someone shares something that they made out of the fabric that I found, you know, that, that I sold them that I found at an estate sale that was just going to get dumped mm-hmm. and it's amazing fabric. And then now look what someone created with it. And that just like blows my mind. It makes me so happy. It lights up my whole day. And um, yeah, so that's just, it's a huge passion of mine. I hope I can continue doing it, you know, in some capacity for a long time. So yeah. I really love it. Gosh. I mean, I just find that so fascinating because that's thrifted fabric is not something that I've explored to a great extent and just hearing about all of the amazing things that you're able to find part of me is wondering if maybe I need to like keep my eyes open more often maybe that's the case (laughs) or maybe it's just the fact that Wichita is a very magical place with all the vast sources (laughs) of vintage fabric case is not uh closed on that one yet but I'm yeah to know um how do you now that you're running the business when you're going for, when you're looking at vintage fabrics, are you kind of buying them with the business in mind? Oh, now I totally am for sure. And I've learned kind of what sells and what doesn't sell. Usually that was my next smaller. question. Yeah. Like, you know, trial and error. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, sometimes there's fabrics that I'm like, this is going to sell. Oh my gosh. And then it doesn't. And then other times I'm like, I just don't know about this and it sells right away. So you don't ever really know. But one thing I feel like my smaller cuts don't sell as, as much, which makes total sense because uh, you know, usually you're going to need at least over a yard, if not two or three to make something. And so I feel like some of my smaller cuts haven't sold as well, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm toying with the idea in the future of like kind of grouping the fabrics that haven't sold and doing like either just a big discount or bundling them perhaps. Um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm holding on to everything that I don't sell and I'll just try to figure out in the future what, what I'm going to do with it. But <laughs> yeah. How yeah. Does, when you're looking for fabric for the business versus looking for fabric for yourself, uh, mm. do, you, do you find that there's a big difference between the, the types of things that you gravitate for when you're just looking for something perfect for yourself versus something that you're going into with a mindset of this is for the business? Or do you kind of decide at that moment when you see something where it's going to go? Yeah, you know, so I've been sewing pretty steadily now for two years. And my closet, my husband and I share a very small closet (laughs) in a small room. And it's full, like my drawers are full, my closet's full. And, and I still love sewing, I'm not going to stop sewing, but I've slowed way down. And I think a lot of us have that have been sewing for so long, like, it really takes a super special fabric for me to now keep it for myself. Because Um, I like, honestly, in a lot of cases, I'd rather put it out there for other people because I just don't have a ton of extra time Mm -hmm. to sew for myself as much as I did before. And, um, I would rather spend that time like photographing and, you know, selling it basically and getting it into the hands of other people. Um, so, but what I, I mean, I just use my own judgment. Like I'm, I'm like, this is cute. I like, I could see, (laughs) I could see a jumpsuit out of this. I could see a skirt out of this, or I could see a flowy blouse out of this. Like if I can kind of use my imagination and, and picture what the, the fabric could be, then I, then I pick it up. Um, I try to gravitate towards more natural fibers. You know, I, I really try to avoid like those 60s, 70s polyester because no (laughs) one really wants to wear that. And you do find a lot of that, especially at estate sales. And really, I just don't even touch it because, um, it's so itchy to wear. Very, very itchy. Hot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I talked about this on a a recent episode of the show for you, or maybe a future episode of the show, because I haven't figured out what order these episodes are going in (laughs) with, um, Evelyn from Slow Intentions, but I inherited, um, some like fabric from like an old boyfriend in high school, like his grandmother passed away and he's like, you're the only person I know who sews. So here's all (laughs) of her stash. And unfortunately a lot of it was like, like polyester from the 80s and I I hung I held on to it for a really long time and I never really found a good way to use it yeah Um, but yeah if anyone has any ideas for that 80s polyester that's kind of scratchy let us know I know like I'm thinking like an outdoor blanket maybe (laughs) like I don't know yeah it's hard to know what I know the poor 80s there was a lot of good things and then the fabric maybe not so much (laughs) so on the complete opposite side of bad 80s polyester, can you tell me a little bit about <laughs> some of, like, your most favorite finds that you found for vintage fabric? Like, just some of the coolest pieces. Ooh, okay. Well, the coolest thing that happened last year, um, 
there just down the street for me, I had no idea there was an estate sale going on. And my husband stopped by and he came home and he goes, you have to go right now to this estate sale. <laughs> this is so cute. It was, I well, he knows me so well. <laughs> and he, he said, it was a fashion designer that lived in Wichita and she passed away. She had this incredible mid-century home and she wow. still had all this fabric. And so I went and bought up some of her fabric and that was really special because she had a whole design studio in her basement. So I got to see kind of her setup and it just pains me to, that I didn't get to meet her before she passed. Cause I'm like, man, she lived literally like two blocks from me and I had no clue. And I'm like, wow. I would have just picked, picked her brain and like wanted to learn from her. But um, so that was really special just to know that locally there was someone doing, doing something like that. Um, and then another, I just hit an estate sale last year too. Someone gave me a heads up about that. Um, this lady had more fabric than like five people could use in a lifetime. And so I just went to town and, and took a lot of it. I bought a lot of it and it was really incredible. She had a ton of like wool coatings, which I actually, I've been holding on to. I have not sold them yet. Um, I was kind of waiting to get a better shipping situation. Yeah. But um, I'm super excited to try to sell those this fall because wool coatings can get very pricey. So I'm excited to offer some at a some secondhand wool at a, you know, a, hopefully a more affordable price point for a lot of people. So that's special to me because that's harder. That's hard. You don't see that very often secondhand wool coatings. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you yeah. just get like you just get really unique prints. Like I just found this hilarious but like super cute mushroom print. um that I'm really excited to post and yeah cute stuff like that wow that just sounds so incredible it's fun Uh, it's like a little treasure hunt (laughs) yeah I I bet I'm sure you find just like the weirdest have you ever like really strange like just random oh yeah oh yeah there's some really crazy stuff out there and (laughs) you know if it's like crazy in a funky cool way I'll grab it but if it's just like so bizarre I just kind of pass on it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a fine line between like weird in a really really cool way and weird in like a okay uh maybe not (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah um so I I was curious to know you said you'd started your business in the fall last fall so that would have been the fall of 2018 right yes can you I know we're now currently sitting in June of 2019 so it hasn't been quite a full year yet but I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you could tell me a little bit about you know what's kind of like been your favorite part about being a business owner and this venture and maybe what's been kind of the most challenging part? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. You know, I haven't even reflected on that. I love this question. Um, just cause it makes me think about it. I, I just love getting to connect with people through the purchases. I write little handwritten notes for every, every order because it's so special to me that people are buying from my little shop and, Um, I have several like very dedicated repeat customers that I just want to like meet in real life and hug because they've been such so beautiful support to my shop. Oh my gosh. It's been, yeah, it has been beautiful. And so I love just connecting with the people that are buying my fabric and then seeing what they make out of it for sure is such a highlight. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think the hardest thing I'm, I'm a stay at home mom, like I said, and some weeks, well, just with having kids, like life is really unpredictable a lot of times. And so I'm someone, I'm pretty like type A and I like to be very consistent and on top of things. And so sometimes I just feel like with my shop, I'm not able to dedicate 
as much time and energy as I would like to it. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of doing it like in all the little tiny spare moments that I have. So that's hard because I, I want to make it, I just want to make it the best it can be. And I want to try to accommodate everyone. And it's just not feasible for me at this point in my stage of life. And I, I also don't want to rob time from my children either. They're not in school yet full time. So it's a super tricky balance and every week looks different, but Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to be as consistent as I can and then hope that people just show me grace where I fail. (laughs) I mean, that, that whole idea of like not letting perfect be the enemy of the good I think that's the saying Mm, um someone maybe that's not the total right way to say it but that whole idea of not letting the fear of not being perfect stop you from doing it anyways is something that I come back to all the time and it's something that I have such a tough time too because whenever you put something out in the world like you really do want it to be as close to perfect as possible Mm -hmm. um but there's maybe not always the the man and person hours to make that happen exactly yes and it kind of kind of goes back to like what I was saying earlier just I was so fearful of messing up when I started sewing and that was really holding me back from spreading my wings and and I'm just so tired of living that way it's been such a hard and good challenge for me in in my journey the last few years of just Mm -hmm. like naming those fears and saying like I'm not gonna let that hold me back um you know it may not look perfect like I envisioned but at least I'm going to take a step forward and try yes and so that's yeah that's been a a big thing for me in a lot of ways and the sewing my sewing journey has been so instrumental in me sort of finding myself and letting go of a lot of fears yeah when you went to go start the business especially did you did you have to kind of go over that hurdle of fear again or was did you feel that sewing had given you kind of enough confidence in that area where it felt like the next natural step? No, I totally, yeah, I totally had to face that again. Um, especially because I, yeah, I was putting something out there that I just had no clue if anyone was truly interested in. I just purchased like all this secondhand fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point I, this is a whole nother topic, but I didn't have my own personal bank account. And so it was all just like shared money and, Uh, with my spouse and so it was like kind of afraid because I had just spent money kind of building up this store of fabric unsure if it was going to yield any return or if anyone Mm. would want anything to do with it so yeah I I just had to kind of try and see see what happened if anyone else is listening and kind of experiencing that same fear right now do you have any advice for them oh yeah I think I think just kind of sitting down and like they said, just naming the fear and thinking about like, truly what's the worst that could happen. Usually it's not that bad. Right. (laughs) Um, But the best that could happen is you could be proud of yourself. You could connect with other people. Some of my closest friends now are from the sewing community. It's amazing. The support and encouragement and the friendship I found. And so even if, you know, they're not in the sewing community, like you just don't know the doors that can open if you just like take one step forward. And it's sometimes that first step is the scariest step, but you just push yourself a little bit and then the reward is so beautiful on the other side of it. Yeah, that's, that is really great advice. And honestly, the, the type of advice that we should all probably scribble down on a little sticky note and put by our mirror <laughs> to see more often. Yeah, um, like every morning to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, talking about all this vintage fabric has really kind of inspired me and, you know, to maybe explore 
my own community a little bit more and see what's out there. Because although I do mm. go to thrift stores like semi regularly, I don't always make a beeline for the fabric. And I mm-hmm. was more consistent about going to estate sales in the past, but haven't done that so much recently. So this has kind of got me thinking that maybe it's time that I get back out there and see what's in my own community. And if anyone else listening is kind of thinking the same way, do you have any tips for someone who's maybe looking to get into trying vintage fabrics, but isn't right, really sure what they should look for or how do they know if a piece is something that they should pick up? Like any advice that you mm-hmm. have? Yeah, I think as far as looking for the fabric, honestly, my biggest suggestion is just frequency. Like you just have to frequent thrift stores and sometimes it's a hit and sometimes it's a miss. Keep your eyes out for state sales. And again, it can be a total hit or miss. Sometimes a state sale, people that are running state sales will do like previews of what they're going to be selling. So if you can find those online and kind of see does it look like there's a sewing machine there that means there might be fabric like you can sometimes get a feel for you know online before the estate sale happens like if it would be worthwhile going to and I've kind of learned in my community the people running estate sales like which ones are the ones I should try to go to and and now I feel like in my own friend group and my own community like locally enough people know that I'm a seamstress that they kind I almost have like had or um, like fabric scouts out there I feel like that'll (laughs) message me and be like hey you should head up this estate sale because there's a bunch of fabric and um, yeah so that's kind of cool too because I feel like I have some helpers yeah Um, man (laughs) I feel like you really should have joined into the conversation I had last week with Evelyn because we were talking about this as well when like people know you so oftentimes people in your life they just come out and they tell you all about like fabrics from people in their family that they're not using anymore Mm -hmm. and you really do develop such an interesting network of people through fabric yeah and you're and you're given some really special things sometimes and you're like thanks (laughs) (laughs) yes yes that too some pieces are great so it's it's always pieces are great it's always a coin flip that's right and as far as what to look for like fabric wise I think fabric has really helped me engage in my senses Mm -hmm. like touch the fabric feel it on your skin drape it over your body do you like the way it hangs do you like the way it feels you also have to be aware with vintage fabric there is like this sounds gross but there can be like rot and and you might just try pulling a corner of it and seeing is it gonna hold together is it gonna break apart does it feel like it's in good shape? And you also have to be really aware of fade lines. A lot of fabric will have stains or fade lines because it's been sitting somewhere for so long and the sun has been hitting it every day at a certain point. And so you might look for that because um, you'll get, you know, some interesting spots or fade lines that I, sometimes I'll still buy fabric, even if they have fade lines, if it's kind of in a spot, I think would be easy to avoid with pattern placement or whatnot. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's not going to be like buying it off the bowl at Joanne's. There's going to be some flaws sometimes, or maybe it's cut wonky or the width is super funny. Um, mm-hmm. You just have to know that it's not going to be like going and buying new. It's just not. Yeah. I like kind of that, the piece of advice that you've given there, it seems like, you know, come in like with a careful eye, but also be intuitive if the fabric seems like it's going to hold up, if it looks good, if you, can see, if you can't see that it's visibly rotting and if you like the piece, it's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, totally. Awesome. 
Well, Star, that kind of wraps up all the questions that I had for you today. But is there anything else you'd want to share with the listeners before we wrap things up? No, um, that kind of hits on everything for me, too. Yeah, if anyone has any questions for me, they can find me online, too. And I love to talk about this. So I'm an open book. (laughs) Absolutely. Star, do you want to plug your handles and just tell everyone where they can find you and continue the conversation? Yeah, totally. So my Instagram handle for the sewing community is wellfiber, W-E-L-L-F-I-B-R-E. And then my shop is just shop wellfiber. And then I do have a personal, a a public personal account too, where I share more about just my family life and um, what I'm doing just besides sewing. And that's just my full name, Star Lee White. And then I do have a sewing blog as well, which is just wellfiber.com. So I'm kind of all over the place. You can't miss me. I didn't know you had a public personal Instagram. I'm going to have to give you a follow. I do. <laughs> Amazing. If you like pictures of cute kids, then, you know, you're really going to love it. I mean, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Star, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you sharing so much of this super valuable knowledge about vintage fabric, but also just how to conquer your fears and live your best life with us mm-hmm. today. Thank you, Rachel. And I'm so excited you're back to podcasting. I, I've listened to, I kid you not, every single one of your episodes. Oh my God, that's so touched so, me so much. Thank you. Ah, I'm so honored that I can be on here now. Oh gosh. Oh. Well, I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> it means a lot. Thanks, girl. Have a wonderful night. You too. Bye. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so, so much for coming in and listening with us today. I really appreciate you being here. If you're looking for something fun to do after the show, you can check out all of the tags for this week's episode over on Instagram. My handle is at maker.style, and I look forward to continuing the conversation with you there. See you later.